This is the Power Aesthetic Podcast. I am your host, Paul Wagoner, and today we are going to be talking about the idea of ego. Specifically, I want to talk a little bit today about the idea of ego versus arrogance, um, positive ego, negative ego, and uh, positive and negative behaviors that can arise from uh, controlling that or letting it get out of control. You know, we always hear sort of in, in it doesn't really matter what you're talking about, lifting, jujitsu, uh, business world, social interaction, everything. And we always hear people talk about, you know, get rid of your ego, kill your ego. That's not necessarily the best advice that you can have because your ego is your sense of self. So when we hear this term, you know, get rid of your ego, kill your ego, uh, we always kind of hear ego referred to in a negative sense, but ego is not by itself negative. Ego is effectively your sense of I, and it is your your perception of yourself as separate from the rest of the world, sort of what makes up the interior um, and, and how that interior relates to, interacts, and interfaces with the world around you. So this is kind of like, um, it's kind of like telling people to, to kill your, your body. You know, it's like you, you have it regardless. Everyone has one. Um, and it's what you interact with, with the world around you. I mean, with your life. So let's start by looking a little bit at some of the positives and negatives and, and the way that it can express itself positively and negatively. To have a strong sense of identity, to have a strong sense of who you are, um, is a good thing. And it comes from a great deal of self-reflection, uh, meditation, experience and experimenting uh, with a lot of various things, uh, learning about the world around you, learning about yourself through that interaction with the world around you. So to have a strong ego is good. To have an ego that is out of control and that is out of step with reality is bad. And what I mean by this, and, and I've made the, uh, the comparison before in the past to the ego being kind of like uh, a potentially unruly dog on a chain. The ego can either be way out in front of us jerking against this chain, you know, kind of like what we've what we've chosen to put out there about ourselves and kind of the the facade that we're presenting to the world can be way out of line with who we are walking way back there behind it and if we don't pull it back into lockstep with ourselves with our real selves who we really are then that is definitely going to lead to negative expressions of ego because the reason that we let that ego jump out in front of us oftentimes comes from a couple things one is insecurity we, we use it as a defense mechanism against our own insecurities. Uh, you, can, you can see this in the sort of typical uh, like Napoleon complex or whatever that a lot of short guys like me get accused of having, you know, where you're, you know, you're trying to make up for, for what you see as your personal deficiencies by kind of cranking other areas up to 11. Um, and it also comes from from a need for validation, you know, you'll, you'll see this kind of thing in, in weird one-upsmanship or people who, who tend to, to lie or to stretch the truth about themselves, you know, when they're telling a story, they, they edit or they modify information and stretch the truth in major ways to make themselves sound better, or they just simply lie. Um, 
oftentimes because they want the validation and it doesn't matter to them whether what they're saying is true because the reward that they get for people being like, oh, that's so cool or that's so amazing is the same whether or not the the story is actually true or not. They're still getting the accolades for it and the validation. And I think that this can create almost like a, a pathological situation where people begin to convince themselves of things that they say a lot and they begin to convince themselves that what they're saying is reality, even if it's completely out of line with reality. I mean, you can see the crazy, like extreme versions of this are are pathological liars. But, you know, you look at stuff like stolen valor, you know, imagine imagine wearing a, a uniform f- with with stuff on it from a war that you had never fought in or like a purple heart or some shit like that. I mean, that stuff is absolutely crazy to me, but it comes from the same kind of issues that all of us struggle with. It's the most maybe extreme example or one of the more extreme examples of it, but we all struggle. And I think this idea of stolen valor, of wearing this uniform that signifies achievements that you have not yourself actually done is a really easy way to understand some of the maybe smaller errors that we all make from time to time, which is we are we are prone to sometimes wear the uniform of of conflicts and engagements that we've not actually been in. And so I think one of the first things that we have to do to keep our ego in check is, one, we realize that an ego is not necessarily a bad thing. A strong sense of self is not necessarily a bad thing. But lying or obfuscating or stretching the truth, either for our own insecurities or for some kind of validation, is, is not good. We should always be looking to walk our talk um, and we should always be looking to make sure that our understanding of ourselves and what we put out there to the world is actually a genuine article and based in real experience and, and in truth rather than in some fiction that we've created for ourselves that we wrap ourselves in in order to meet the world. And, and if we are doing something like that, we need to examine why. We need to try to get to the root of maybe some of the insecurities or the needs for validation that we have in order to figure out why we're doing this and to stop doing it. You know, bragging, I think, is another probably, you know, largely negative uh, version of, of ego. Um, and I say this with, with some hesitation because... Bragging itself is basically, you know, letting your own lips praise yourself, you know, and some people, uh, they they deserve, I guess, to do this more than others. Like, you know, if you're Gordon Ryan or whatever, you know, a really, a really like, I guess, arrogant guy, but your arrogance is rooted in the fact that you are, in fact, the best in the world at what you do. You know, if you're if you split the atom or if you're the first person to have ever done something or you climbed Everest in a in a man thong and a pair of flip-flops or something like that, you know, sometimes when you say yeah, I'm the best in the world at this, there's a difference between bragging uh, uh, when it's true and bragging when it's false. So I think that to state things that you have done and that are true is, again, different than just Boasting and, and, and saying, oh, I could, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that, which is just sort of like bluster. You know, it's, it's empty. And so to have a, 
a sense of pride in your accomplishments is also different than 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 just simple empty boasting. But I think that you know my my mom always used to say, and I'm sure it's I think it's from Proverbs or something like that, you know. But she always used to say, "Let another's lips praise thee," which is that if you are the best in the world, you usually don't need to say it. A lot of other people are saying it. If you've done something excellent or incredible or amazing or impressive, if it was one of those things or any of those things, other people are probably praising you plenty and that it can definitely seem or come across as arrogant. And and I think regardless of whether it's arrogant to, to speak all the time about your own accomplishments or not, it's just probably unnecessary because a lot of other people are. And so to engage in a little bit of, of basic humility is, is not the worst thing in the world. So there, there has to be a certain amount of self-awareness that comes from the idea that people who brag about themselves are not often very well liked either. In this day and age, that's not necessarily true. You've got guys like Conor McGregor and, and all these other guys who made a career out of finding fans from sort of their braggadocio and and people do like confidence um, and other people like arrogance for myself i've never liked arrogance much but confidence is definitely a winning factor knowing the difference between the two and having the self-awareness to figure out which one you're doing is also pretty critical this term humility or, or modesty i think too sometimes throws people off because they tend to see humility as a self-debasement um, or, or a, I guess, a very Christian virtue, you know, to, to be, to seem small, to, to, to put yourself down. And, and that's not only is it not true from a, from just an etymological perspective, it's not true in general. To have humility does not mean to constantly deprecate yourself. And, and I want to spend a minute talking about the idea of of modesty and of humility. And, and I want to start with modesty because modesty comes from uh, the word modestia or modesta. Um, I think I think modestia is correct. But it means a sense of honor. It means a correct code of conduct. This is where the root and, and where the word stemmed from. So modesty actually means to have a correct code of conduct, to have an honorable code of conduct. So to be modest is to is to simply act with honor. And that takes us back to those definitions of honor. And we talked about that uh, some in the last episode of the podcast on, on uh, starting a gang. But that humility comes from the word humus, which means from the earth. You know, you, talk, you call the, the layer of topsoil or, or whatever in, in the forest and all that. That's humus. And Humus is actually quite rich soil for one, uh, and and for two, it it means of the earth, and to me that means grounded, and so I think that humility, a good definer or a good descriptor of the word humility, is to be grounded. When we let ourselves get carried away with our own idea, opinions, and so on and so forth of ourselves, we start to sometimes lose touch with the reality. We, we sometimes create a, an idea of ourselves that is not rooted in the ground. It's not rooted necessarily in, in, in reality. And we have to constantly check ourselves. We have to go down these lists and we have to constantly look at ourselves and say, you know, is this, is this who I really am? Is this who I really want to be? Um, are, these, are these things that I'm saying, are they real? Are they grounded? And or are they just things that I like the idea of saying to people? 
and, and this happens all the time. People will tell you shit or, or say things and, and you'll find yourself doing it too if you're not careful. It's not even anything you really believe. It was just something that you felt like saying in the moment. Whether it's edifying or, or not, it, it's sometimes just not based in any kind of reality. Yeah, it's the same thing we've talked about before when people say, oh, I'm having such a fucking terrible day. Are you? Or did you just have a shitty like experience in the last five minutes that you've decided to let color your whole day? That's not a grounded statement. So practicing humility is practicing the art of remaining grounded, of remaining sort of practical, reasonable, rational about who you are. It's also, interestingly enough, uh, one of the theories on where we get the word, the, the modern term omerta that you've probably ha- uh, heard before in reference to the mafia. Omerta is taken now to mean a, a code of silence, specifically the idea of not snitching, uh, the idea of not cooperating with law enforcement, even against your enemies. And omerta comes from this term, this, this, this code of conduct that means, you know, humility, humilitas, which, which is the idea of staying grounded, of staying honorable. So omerta was considered to be a manly code of conduct. It didn't cover just silence. Um, it covered other things as well. But it became popularized by this code of silence. But it was really just an overall code of manly conduct that was adopted by the, uh, the Sicilian secret societies and, and uh, gangs and, and then brought over here when they came over. And I think there's another word that's worth talking about when we're talking about the ideas of ego and stuff, and stuff like this is, is dignity. Dignity is another one that comes from a Latin root, dignitas, which means it means worthy. Uh, and it also means, uh, it means acceptance. So in other words, you know, to, to have dignity is something that is received. You know, you, you receive and so you accept some kind of award. Um, and really, to act with dignity is to be someone who has, who has accepted respect. You, you can't take dignity. You can only accept dignity. So it's something that's bestowed on you by other people. Just like respect is bestowed. Nobody can demand or force respect. You can force fear. You know, you can force compliance but you can't force respect. You have to earn respect. So it's something that you can only accept, not take. And, you know, there's something to be said there for the idea of the difference between force and power, which I think we might get into next. There's a big difference between people who are powerful and people who are just forceful only. And so, you know, to, to kind of recap some of this stuff, and then I want to dig into a few things, a few questions that people asked me. But the difference between ego and arrogance is one of humility. Ego is a good understanding, a strong understanding, a strong sense of self. Arrogance is actually the, the opposite of being grounded. It's, it's elevating yourself possibly to an unrealistic level that has nothing to do with reality, that has nothing to do with who you are or what you actually believe or anything that's really going on. Just wrapping a fiction around yourself and meeting the world with a fiction. And there are tactical times and places to meet the world with fictions. Uh, we can look to the idea of, of taqiyya in Islam. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and, and we can look to the idea of, of subterfuge and tactical obfuscation. But that in our day-to-day lives, just like people who operate undercover for a really long period of time, sometimes it starts to affect our understanding of who we are in a way where we can no longer control it. And that's not something we want to do. We want to walk our talk. We want to be 
We want to be men uh, of, of omerta, of codes of conduct, of dignity, and uh, people who are worthy of respect. And the way that you get respect is to calmly discharge who you are and to let who you are be something that is worthy of respect and to quietly go about that while other people praise you for it without feeling the need to boast. A couple of questions that I got, uh, I think one of them I was going to deal with, somebody somebody asked, how do you keep from replaying events and, and going on replay mode? In other words, you know, you go through a situation uh, and you're, fuck, I should have said this, I should have said that, um, staying awake at night, you know, thinking about confrontations or situations that you found yourself in that maybe you didn't handle the way that you wanted to. And I, I think that the reason I wanted to go over this one is because I think it ties very much in with what we just discussed. Replaying events and going over things in your mind is not bad. You know, this is like a hot wash. You know, after a mission, um, you know, higher level military people generally go through a recap where they go, you know, what did we do? What did we do right? What did we do wrong? How could we do better? So it's not always bad to replay events. It is bad to get caught in that loop of sort of torturing yourself with replays. And I think some of this is tied up with our ego and our vanity, which is that oftentimes we replay these things because we've taken some kind of blow to our ego in the situation and we're agonizing over it and we're sort of torturing ourselves with it. So I think the best thing that you can do is without just saying, just let it go, man, uh, which is much easier said than done, is to replay the event, analyze and maybe even write down what you what you saw your what you did correctly what you did incorrectly and how you think you can do better next time and sometimes the act of doing that in a methodical way writing it out or whatever can allow you to process and attain some kind of catharsis from the situation in question and know that you've written it down you've accepted it for being what it is but you've also put together a plan an action plan for the next time it happens how you think you could do better and so this is a kind of self-analysis that I think actually leads to progress rather than a, self, a self-flagellation, a self which is effectively just a, a form of, of self-torture that doesn't really lead us anywhere. So that would be my advice, is to analyze when you need to analyze. We, we all need to self-analyze. We all need to remain self-aware. But let's not torment ourselves by going over and over and over and over a situation. Uh, this can be really, really difficult in, in traumatizing experiences, um, deaths, or, or just really, really bad shit. We have a tendency to kind of retrace the patterns of those things uh, until it, it galls us. Um, and I think the same thing could be said there, um, that, that finding, finding things that lead you to catharsis uh, are probably the best things to do. Uh, I, I said a few couple days ago, I, I was driving down to riding my motorcycle down to Florida and I, I checked out the book uh, Ghost Rider by Neil Peart, who is the drummer of Rush, a band I hate, but a writer who I've come to admire after reading this. And there's a lot of stuff in there about not replaying patterns and about staying in a, in a place of, of grief. But I think that some of what he says could be applied to a lot of this different stuff. Um, and he went through having a, his, his daughter, who I think was a teenager, maybe just 20 or something, die. Uh, and then in the same year, having his wife die. And then having his best friend incarcerated and all the rest of this kind of stuff. So he went through 
some pretty horrific shit that a lot of us have not had to go through. So if he got through it, uh, we probably can get through it too. So there's just about no situation that the human's not capable of getting through. So if you're replaying stuff, ask yourself also, how serious is this? Is this that big of a deal? Or could it be my ego, my negative ego, or my vanity replaying this because of some kind of imagined injury that I've taken from it? Guys, as always, if you enjoyed this, I appreciate if you share it. If you can't come on as a monthly supporter, just share it with your friends. Um, I'm always open to taking suggestions for new episodes of the podcast, so please feel free to uh, hit me up. Um, You can respond to any of the weekly emails, whether the seed email over at um, BricanoInitiative.com. Also, you can find it on my link tree, posted uh, various places, including the description to this podcast. Uh, Reply to any of my spots, shoot me a message wherever. I'd be happy to cover anything that you have interest in hearing me sort of ramble on about. So thanks, guys. I hope everyone has a great day. And remember, stay grounded.